Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app or foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. It's not often I find myself having to straighten out a debate brought up on my old platform, ESPN, these days. I don't find myself, for the most part, even discussing topics brought up on the network. A comment by one of their analysts, particularly the new ones like Kendrick Perkins, sure. And I don't say any of that as a knock. I don't have the time to watch. I've got my own TV time to prepare for. If I'm looking for insight on a particular topic, I'm going to reach out to the people I know in the league. I do my own research. I form my own opinions. I do feel as if ESPN has a tendency to reach for the low-hanging fruit a little too often. I experienced that myself when I was there. Although at that time, some 10 years ago, talent had more input on where a conversation would go. I would imagine people like Stephen A. Smith still have that, but I also imagine that he or they are the exception rather than the rule. It's one of the things I truly appreciate about being part of Fox Sports in general and Speak for Yourself, the show in particular. We do our share of hot topic debates for sure. But we try to approach them in, how do I say this, without it sounding like an insult or condescending. We try to approach them in a more thoughtful way. A way that speaks to us. And it's very much collaborative. The SFY producers and Marcellus Wiley and Emmanuel Acho, the regular hosts, are not satisfied with just taking out sledgehammers and having us beat each other up over who should be fired or who is going to be the next Super Bowl winner. Having worked at both ESPN and Fox, I'd like to think I'm in a position to know the difference. Which brings me to the topic for this episode. The debate over whether or not LeBron James is feared by his opponents, which found Stephen A. Smith on one side of the argument and former players and newly minted ESPN NBA analysts J.J. Redick and Kendrick Perkins on the other side of the argument. To streamline this, I'm going to take Perk out of the equation because 
One, the topic already has enough frayed wires that need bundling, and two, Perk's objectivity when it comes to anything involving LeBron James is suspect. Just too many unsupported, wild assertions. This being an example, if you ask Kevin Garnett or Paul Pierce or anyone on the Boston Celtics team that battled LeBron in his early days in the Eastern Conference, a team that Perk knows intimately because he played on it, they would scoff at the idea that they feared LeBron. I'm not even sure they fully respected him. Maybe they should have, and maybe they would have been better served if they had. And maybe they did respect him deep down, but I don't know if they would have admitted it. Perk has to know that, which puts me in a very strange place. Agreeing with Stephen A. I've talked to more than a few players who did not fear LeBron James the way you might expect someone to fear a player who has been to 10 NBA Finals and won four of them. And they certainly did not fear him the way they did Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. The way you might expect is an important part of this sentence when it comes to LeBron. All the words are important when it comes to this topic in particular. How the topic is framed is perhaps most important of all, which is why the debate arose between Stephen A. and J.J. primarily, and based on the reaction I've seen on social media, why so many people believe Stephen A. lost the argument. This has more to do with how you define fear than who instills it. The real conversation is in the how, not the what. Let's put aside the whole... How can you take the view of someone who didn't play over someone who did angle right now? I don't say that merely because I'm on the same side of the equation as Stephen A. as someone who didn't play in the NBA, but because it's so fallacious. It has been proved over and over again that players, coaches, and people who have competed in the league can be as biased and have as narrow of a view of a certain situation or player or team as anyone else. Maybe more so. I, on the other hand, for example, don't have skin in the game. I just have nearly 30 years of experience having conversations with players and coaches and executives and scouts and GMs that played in the league and have been doing it that entire 30 years. JJ, as an example, has had the benefit of being entrenched in certain situations that certainly provide him a deeper understanding than I have about those situations. What I would do and continue to do if I am writing or speaking on a subject is find the JJs who would share that deeper understanding. I'm guessing Stephen A. has done the same. I've been doing that for almost, as I said, 30 years with teams and players across the league. For all that JJ has experienced in his 15-year career, He has concentrated on what was going on with his particular team at the time and what he needed to do to contribute to it. The same reason I don't watch ESPN, I doubt that he's having conversations with people across the league, executives, players, etc. Some, but not all. Do you think he was asking Paul Pierce or KG about how they viewed LeBron? Do you think he was courtside for the Heat's NBA Finals series against the Mavericks and heard Sean Marion tell LeBron... He was a bitch. 
Was he around the Bulls and Joakim Noah when they were doing battle with LeBron? And Joakim essentially said the same thing. Was he around to see and hear that the Bulls were not the least bit intimidated by him? I don't know if any of you saw or heard it, but J.J. talked about the subject on his podcast, Old Man and the Three, subsequent to his debate with Stephen A., in which I felt he told on himself. Now, I'm a big fan of his podcast, by the way. I nominated it as my favorite NBA pod about a year ago when asked by Jason Barrett Media to do so. I don't know if J.J. intended to tell on himself, but that's what I came away with. J.J. talked about how, in his fifth season in the league, he took a charge from LeBron and how fearful he was at 6'3", and I would guess a few pounds lighter than the 200 he was last listed as, putting himself in the way of a charging 278-pound 6'9", LeBron. And I give you that figure because someone from the Cleveland Cavaliers gave it to me, having said that they looked over LeBron's shoulder when he was on the scale, uh, even though the official listing is uh, at least 20, 25 pounds lighter than that. And for J.J. to be fearful is understandable. Any right-thinking human in J.J.'s shoes would be. But that's just it. J.J. was an undersized two-guard in his fifth season in the league. He was coming off the bench for the Orlando Magic, bounced in the first round that year by the Atlanta Hawks. LeBron was in Miami, the first year of the Heatles. J.J. might have feared being hit by LeBron or even defeated by LeBron, but what I want to know is if he ever feared being humiliated by LeBron. Because that's what Jordan did. He didn't want to just defeat an opponent or physically punish them. He wanted to crush them. He wanted them to say, uncle, quit. One problem with debate and why I'm not completely on board with J.J.'s lavish praise of Stephen A. in the podcast, that was a little bit curious, is that one, Stephen A. could have posed a much more convincing argument, or framed it so that he could pose a more convincing one. Because the first place he went, after J.J. tried to back him up, is to suggest that LeBron isn't feared the way Michael Jordan was. And he's right, LeBron wasn't. But to make that point, you have to define what kind of fear we're talking about. To win the argument, you have to show that J.J., in the way that he's defining it, is different. J.J., in the podcast, went to physical fear. In the debate with Stephen A., he went to fear of failure, as in, LeBron is tough to beat, wins more often than not, therefore raising a fear in whoever is playing him that there's a good chance they won't achieve their goal. J.J. has experienced all that, which is why he pushed back on the idea that no one fears LeBron. Where Stephen A. should have gone immediately is to the kind of fear he was talking about, the kind of fear that Jordan evoked, because it was a different kind of fear, and he put it in everyone. You did not want to cross Jordan because you knew it would take his competitive fire, which already ran white hot, and turned it up another thousand degrees. LeBron is not like that. We've all seen it. He doesn't always run white hot. 
And he doesn't always respond when he's challenged, when you would expect him to. That's why Sean Marion could call him a bitch with impunity, which he did. Why Joachim Noah could do the same. Why Deshaun Stevenson called him overrated and said, you can tell LeBron I said that. Deshaun Stevenson would never do that to Jordan. Isaiah Stewart never would have gone after Jordan. If he didn't know better, Isaiah that is, his teammates would have made sure he did before he did anything. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. No one dared do that to Michael Jordan. There are tapes galore of tough guys, KG among them, telling stories about the mistake they made merely getting hyped in Jordan's presence. Never again stories. You've never heard one of those about LeBron because he's not built like that. His reaction to clipping Isaiah Stewart with his elbow the other night is an example. LeBron looked instantly sorry for doing it. Jordan might have felt that way, but he never would have let Isaiah or anyone else know. He might have even reached out to him afterward, as LeBron supposedly did. But it's doubtful, and assuredly he wouldn't have let anyone know that he did. Deep down, I just don't believe it would have affected MJ. His attitude would have been, mess with the bull, expect to get the horns. Although I love listening to Reddick, I don't agree with a lot of what he said on this particular topic. He attributed the difference in mindset between Jordan and LeBron, again, a little bit of a tell, to today's culture, its 24-7 news cycle and social media. By, by merely saying that, he's acknowledging that there's a difference in mindset between Jordan and LeBron. I don't know if JJ has ever spent time with Jordan, but he never played against him, and I would bet he spent less time around him than I have, along with those who played with him and know him well. I've spent a lot of time with them too, talking about Jordan. Jordan's killer instinct was ingrained. It wasn't something that would have had to develop in spite of social media. And I don't see social media having an impact on it. Nothing else ever did. Jordan's killer instinct was ingrained. I don't know what he was like in high school, but he already had it at North Carolina and certainly when he arrived in the league. That's the biggest mistake Stephen A. made in his argument, suggesting no one fears LeBron. It's so easy to poke a hole in it. You could say the Toronto Raptors did after he went back to Cleveland. I'm sure various players across the league individually did. Certain coaches and teams too. But at one point, it wasn't any at all. Not like Jordan. The memory of Jordan was too fresh. Too many guys in the league who knew what it was like to play against the real thing. Certainly wasn't the case when LeBron was in Cleveland the first time. Certainly not the Pistons, 
with Chauncey Billups and Rasheed Wallace. Those cats didn't fear anybody, Kobe included when they met in the finals, which is why they won. That's because at the time, LeBron didn't know how to win. He was a great player, to be sure, the same way Tracy McGrady was at one time. But he had no idea how to impose his great physical skills and his great skills overall. T-Mac wasn't feared for all he could do either. And LeBron certainly wasn't feared when he first arrived in Miami. After all the hoopla and promises of six, seven, eight championships, and then essentially assuming the basketball version of the fetal position against the Mavericks in the finals. Going back to Cleveland, coupled with Kobe's retirement, and the Warriors' ascension with Steph Curry is the vital turning point when it comes to LeBron. There was a time when, as big and strong as he might have been, he did not want to impose his physicality on opponents. You saw some of that in his reaction to elbowing Stewart. I'm convinced he felt genuinely bad about it, whether he intended it or not. And keep in mind, this year is not going as LeBron hoped. He's already missed time with an injury, assuredly making him feel personally more fragile and vulnerable than ever, and he's playing on a team whose composition he designed, or at the very least signed off on, and it doesn't look anything like he imagined. It's very possible he meant to hit Stewart with an elbow. He just didn't mean to cover Stewart's face in blood. And it would have been an act of frustration for all of the things that have been going on this season. We've all reacted in the moment and immediately realized we overreacted, especially when stressed out. No? I know I have. What is impressive, perhaps most impressive about LeBron, is that he has never stopped trying to get past his own insecurities. He's continued to try to be the closest version to Jordan or to have a killer instinct as he can. At some point, after winning those two titles in Miami, he looked around and realized that there was no one he should fear. I don't know that it was so much that he became a killer, but he realized there weren't any killers out there. Not with the Warriors shifting the game to small ball, leaving LeBron the biggest, strongest dude on the floor most nights, with the skill set to function just fine in an up-tempo, touch-foul era. Jordan was gone. Kobe was gone. He was the undisputed face of the entire league. And what did he have standing in his way? The closest thing to killers were a skinny seven-foot jump shooter in Kevin Durant and a 6'3 point guard shooting from the logo in Steph Curry. Finesse players. Great finesse players. Two of the greatest finesse players we've ever seen. But finesse players nonetheless. As of right now, there are too many recent examples of LeBron being unable to impose his will on the game. He couldn't against Phoenix last year. Why? At least in part because Chris Paul didn't fear him. Jay Crowder didn't either. Respect? Sure. He's accomplished way too much not to have that. And that's where JJ told on himself as well. Because he said he feared Steph Curry in the same way that he fears LeBron. That, to me, says it all. Had Stephen A. pointed that out, 
JJ wouldn't be taking a victory lap right now for saying that because he feared LeBron, everybody did or does. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, as of right now, I'm planning to talk about the relationship between Jason Kidd and Luka Doncic and what we're seeing with the Dallas Mavericks. I'm seeing a change and a shift in how Luka is playing, and I can't help but attribute it to something that Jason Kidd said when he took over as the Mavericks head coach. We'll get into that in the next episode. In the meantime, I hope you have a happy, healthy Thanksgiving weekend. And as always, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.